oh, where are the dot, dot, dots? Because my dot, dots, dots are in a different place than, than you and Randall they're, always say. Okay, they're not like in your image. <laughs> Roman, is Randall oh. just the name of like your alter ego? You're it is. <laughs> Randall. <laughs> I'm Randall. Damn it, Randall. Left the light on, Randall. Forgot to flush the toilet, Randall. You turned it on the floor, Randall. <laughs> I hope the killer doesn't show up again. Hi, Roman. <laughs> Randall, did you leave the dead rat in the bed this time? <laughs> in quarantine episode number 34 after a quick check in my zoom audio export drive where you know every three days a week or you know whenever it happens we uh, discuss batman and robin or batman or batman incorporated wherever we are in the giant mythos of grant morrison's batman run today we're going to be talking about batman and robin number eight and I just, I had something I was going to tangentially go into right there, but I already forgot what it was. It had to do with Batman and Robin? Uh, yeah, yeah, and time and where we were. But you know what? It's not important. It's not important. How are my two time dysphoric boys? Oh, you know, I'm Justin and I'm just bleeding in my knackers. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I'm Roman. I'm, 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 I'm all dysphoric. Uh, did, did. Nice. <laughs> nice. A couple of good intros from all of us here. We're really knocking balls out of parks today. I am excited to talk to you folks about Batman and Robin number eight. And then I'm also excited to get to some emails in the midst of it all. So we gotta, we're just getting this bank of emails in. If you are somebody who has sent an email, um, we're blessed by getting a handful of emails now. We're getting multiple from certain people, which I love, and I love to read them. If you don't have an email read on the podcast... It is not that we didn't read it or didn't love it. Just time flow, time balance. It's hard to do. We're getting some real lengthy ones, which is awesome as well. It's exactly what I wanted. People sharing their experience with reading these things, because that's really all that we're doing. We're not experts. We're just three boys who love to smile at one another on a Zoom call. Oh, you know what I was going to say, actually, is, is that now, here we are, 33 episodes in, Roman and Justin, we finally oh. got mic upgrades. Both of oh. y'all have them now, which is... Fantastic, because we started this project right at the beginning of the pandemic, and no one really knew how Zoom or Skype or anything was going to work for recording podcasts, so we were using a lot of just regular mics, and now we have some nice ones that don't... Ugh, you boys sound beautiful. Can I get a like a, just a little duet between the two of you? No, but don't do that, Jeff. Please don't ask us to sing synchronized over Zoom. What songs yeah. do we do? Let's do Bridge Over Troubled Waters. No, I was going to do uh, Bridge Over Bleeding Knackers. Oh. oh okay. Well. <laughs> knackers has come up two times. Is that some of the uh, the slang we get in this issue? Oh, yeah. It is. It, it is. Yeah. Y'all be bleeding in your knackers when XYZ happens. I'm is excited. That, yeah, yeah. Is that, a co- is that Cockney? I don't know which part of I England that is. is. <laughs> I, think it, I, I think we're doing the Cockney here. I kind of do it all as Cockney, right? The I don't Cockney really know Spaniel. where that Cockney Spaniel lives and where their sleeping bed is, but it's somewhere in the world, and it's not where I live, and I probably overinflate its, uh, its commonality. So 
we've got these bite-sized three-issue Batman and Robin chunks, which are different than the Batman run leading up to this point. And what I found kind of so far is that these cream issues, you know, the issues between the cookie of these three-issue arcs, which is to say, uh, more accurately, the second of each of these three-issue arcs has a, you know, it's the, they're, function, they're structured in a way where it seems like the first issue introduces a bunch of stuff, the second issue then moves that along to the third issue, which resolves it. And that might sound like really basic storytelling, as I just said it out loud. But it is more interesting where I feel like that the beginning of this whole run, the Batman stuff, there was a little bit less of a routine or flow to it. Sometimes you get a four-issue arc. Sometimes it's the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul. Whereas what this the one fuck had, was that? Exactly. It was a fever dream looking back on it. I can't believe we did that. It's uh yeah, so we got one of those sort of just moving moving things around. Has that been your guys' experience as well with this? Oh yeah, mini trilogies, you know. Um it's like getting a tiny little bite-sized Star Wars, except for these issues, the first one is actually different than each other first one, unlike the Star Wars movies where the first one is always the same one. It's true. Always. Sorry, I, I don't know why all, all of a sudden I decided to be an embittered uh, smoke <laughs> in denial. But, you know, you know what? I want to talk uh, about what, what the they've fuck? done to my trilogy. <laughs> and what I want to talk about is the other trilogy, Lord of the Rings. But we've got to talk mm. about this Blackest Night trilogy right here. This issue picks up right where the last one left off. It's got our crew, which is Night Squire and Dick Bats and Batwoman in a Lazarus pit in the UK beneath a Cockney place. And they have tried to toss Batman's dead body from Final Crisis into a Lazarus pit to revive him. And he has just popped out of that big orange pool, which <laughs> is oftentimes shown as a green pool, but not here in this issue. No, and this is he's, a more devilish pool. It is. And he's awing. You know, he's not saying a lot, but he's definitely awing. And oh, And this has a, a huge fight scene between zombie Batman and our positive hero crew. <laughs> I really, I really, I really some... wish Batman had popped out of there. Like you said, popped. And, I, and now I've just got this image of all of a sudden him going like, boing, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone kind of assumes Batman to be filled with smiles and athleticism. So <laughs> uh, the other stuff that happens is there's some, we learn a little bit more about, what exactly happened with Batwoman to get her here and that Cockney crew, the Pearlies or the Perlers, whatever that was. And then we got Damien, whose spine surgery is finished up and he flies back to Gotham. Right, right, that's all of it. That's all the, the, the broad yeah. strokes of what it is that we- Yeah, that's, to... yeah, that's the broad strokes. So I, yeah. sorry, I'm oh. interrupting you guys like crazy. I'm just trying to figure out where Okay, okay, okay. I read these and usually the three-issue trunks. Mm. And so, because uh, uh, I like that feel. Uh, but I always forget, like, oh, when does, especially in one like this where the colors and everything's pretty similar, I forget where I'm at. Where I'm at. So Every day in my life, I'm with you, bud. You're in a you're in a mine in uh, in the Shropshires in England. I think it's, it's so. <laughs> I don't orange. know. What's the Shropshire. <laughs> I love the fact that in the beginning of this, Batwoman's like quickly telling them in flashback the uh, how she ended up here in the coffin, and and King Cole's uh, gang. They're all dressed as she describes it, like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. They're all dressed as as chimney sweeps. <laughs> And they've got their stupid chimney sweep like 
sweeper thingy says their weapons. Hey, hey Justin, was that a reference that worked for you? No, but I like chimney sweeps. <laughs> <laughs> I like chimney sweeps as well. I I don't know a Mary Poppins reference as a as a sort uh, of movie illiterate man from that time. Oh, it's great. Really. Dick Van Dyke is so good in that. <laughs> He's dancing around and singing and cockney. Maybe one of these days when we're able to sit in a room together, we should prioritize a Poppins viewing together. Oh gosh. <laughs> I know that like at some point Poppins like data has streamed into my head, but I've never internalized like I know there's some stuff with an umbrella, right? And there's right. some like song mm -hmm. stuff. And... Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim 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 Yeah, there's some yeah. physical things that go on, but you know. Uh to the getting down to the nitty gritty, which is very much like Mary Poppins. Grant Morrison talks about the hole in all things a lot. Especially like, in this run. Yeah, yeah. And it's, so I think that's, yeah. Well, please continue. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think in his, uh, a book that came out shortly after this, Annihilation or Annihilator, he yeah. kind of retouches on those themes of like a black hole in the center of all things. Um, the fatal flaw that you don't see, that's a huge thing here. I really like when they're talking about that in this scene, in the Batwoman flashback, there's like, on the radar there's like you know she batwoman is physically going downstairs into the center of this underworld thing but the radar is also the bat signal where she is around these concentric circles and i think that that's a cool visual way to represent that like batman is in the center or in the underworld and you know what this comes to how this run plays out that kind of batman in the center of these revolving uh concentric circles kind of is a thing that happens so i don't know if that was an intentional nod but it was like a cool visual for me to graft on like oh here's like a very basic two-dimensional thing of what's going on in this issue and kind of in this run in general and i yeah for sure and i, I love the, even that line here we're on page two and it is that batwoman flashback of ultimately how the the guy and the pearls was on the the subway train that was going in the previous issue but yeah, we get this. What is his name? The guy in the crown. I think it's, I think it's King Cole. Yeah, yeah. it's King Cole, and he refers to um, the you know there's a, don't didn't you know there's a hole in everything, and it, it's interesting to have this character tied to Doctor Hurt, and he also refers to in the panel right above that you know the whole New Jerusalem which is the name of that 666 issue, which is like Jerusalem. So he creates oh. this, and then he also refers to like a, a new war or a new type of crime, King Cole says, which is a and phrase. We're seeing that as yeah. well. Like we're seeing criminals evolve and become more fucked up. And El Penitente had referred to the same thing, a new level of crime or a, you know, a new type of crime, which is also what Batman is here, a new type of war on crime. But at the same time, you know, El Penitente said that we saw El Penitente in the previous issue. He looks from the behind exactly like Dr. Hurt. Dr. Hurt was referred to as the whole in all things. So there's this intrinsic, intrinsic trap tie between even this sort of, I hope that this is a unique band of criminals that was Morrison made up. I've never seen them before. Confirmation on that? I'd never seen any of them before. Let's assume they're new. I love that even this new throwaway, just sort of very fun, zany type of crew has this tie in terms of what they're talking about and what their ends seem to be with Dr. Hurt. And that woman even goes on to talk about how it's the religion of crime, which Rucka wrote a lot about in the Batwoman stuff, but also was in the 
52 run that Morrison and Rucka were on together. And in this, the prophecy is that, like, you know, the beast is going to be arriving at midnight out of the Lazarus pit. You know, if you could you could consider, yeah, bat gods are a thing that play in later, but also Batman coming out of this thing, or is it a demon coming out of this thing because it's a zombie? All of these things, just these weird overlapping things, you know, that you just alluded to in that statement. There's, there's a lot of, for all of the difference of this story, it does seem to be overlapping with a lot of the major themes of this run that we've been seeing. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I like that visual graphic that, no matter how far we get, we're always kind of in the center of things. And when I was reading this run, when Batwoman's describing like the religion of crime, the worship of the gods of evil, the black Messiah and the Bible of crime, it's all just very funny. Like, it's just like, let's just take these big concepts and put of crime at the end of them. Like this of (laughs) crime, this of crime, like what kind of weird world where like that is what we have to worry about. It's not like governmental uh totalitarian structures taking over or, or like horrible racial inequalities but like the bible of crime i was just kind of laughing like i think i would take that over what we oh, have yeah. now is like you know ooh, the, you know crime like this huge like conceptual thing like i don't think many of us really think about just the vague abstract notion of crime so i was kind of laughing like oh of course the black messiah of crime and the bible of crime it's all very funny and yeah. all very batman Roman, has the religion of crime and all of that, is that a thing that had showed up earlier than 52? Because that's the first time I remember seeing it. No, I think, I think Rucka introduced it in 52. Okay. And, and, you know, it's funny, Justin, what you were saying, that of crime thing. And unfortunately <clears throat> for me, just an association that pops in my head right away is the, the theme song City of Crime from the Dan Aykroyd dragnet movie <laughs> where and then the song is he's kind him and whoever's co-star was dick van dyke kind of, with a chimney sweep it might have tom hanks I'm not, i don't remember but uh they're rapping oh, the song so so whenever they so whenever it comes up in the comic book i hear uh, i hear dan Aykroyd rapping city of crime in my head and it kind of takes me out of it every time i yeah. hope that's a reference that some of our <laughs> listeners got the, the dragnet remake I... from the late 80s Classic. anytime i hear dan acronoid my head just kind of shuts off I, you know I, it's a psychic trigger for me <laughs> batwoman says they have the bible of crime that prophecies the rise of a black messiah at the dawn of the age of crime what a statement and what a weird issue to be ushering in a possibly very large part of you know what would be this run but batwoman just heard it from a crew we have this batman arrive out of it is he the black messiah is this the dawn of the age of the crime? Batman of crime the batman he's, of crime he's the bat messiah oh. oh and it becomes pretty apparent quickly that this is not our batman and we get you know is it enough for a lot of people probably not we get three panels explaining <laughs> what has happened here and i loved it i loved it too because it ties right back into final crisis six or seven i can't remember which one it was i think six um, it, it goes, what we learn is that this Batman who's been dipped into the Lazarus pit is one of the 200 or so clones that Makari and Dr. Simeon had been working to clone Batman as beneath Bloodhaven in Final Crisis. So it was what was happening around Batman in the two issues, I think 682, 683, Last Rites, when they were, when the lump was in his consciousness trying to extract it to plant it all inside these clone bodies. 
yeah, what we know is that when Darkseid shot Batman, well, we don't want to do spoilers there, but something happened to Batman when Darkseid shot him that we're going to get follow-up on, but he's no longer there, and there were a bunch of these dead clone bodies, and I do remember in Final Crisis them saying something about the bodies. Darkseid himself doesn't say, hey, don't dispose of you know one, save it for me, which is just like Darkseid says, a perfect copy of Batman dead? I can use that. Why? How can you? What do you mean? Are you sure? But then Superman flies down to the bunker and finds the the body of Batman, which has the same DNA and, and everything, which is why Superman exhumed that body. And this is the body that Dick Grayson has, even though there's a whole weird thing about how in Blackest Night, Batman has the tie into it. The black hand like takes the skull from the grave. And then at the end of that little three issue thing, they get the skull back and that's when dick moves his body from the grave outside that we see in batman robin number one to the sarcophagus thing that we see in batman robin number seven but to your point justin i love that explanation i i'm very very into it yeah and i i just like the more dark side we've actually put in batman the more better it is i i don't know i i am slowly convincing myself that Dr. Hurt and the whole devil shit and all of that is just a foil for Darkseid's influence on this universe from another dimension. I think that Dr. Hurt and Darkseid are skins for each other in this. Yeah, I absolutely, and and the devil, you know? And and the devil. And when you look at it when that way, it's like, uh, that's all the devil. Oh yeah, it all all boils down to the devil. Like a big Satan blood slurry. Yeah. Mm. We get, uh, you know, several pages of a fight scene here. And I think it's a pretty good filthy pig session. I think it's a (laughs) real good dirty pig fight, you know? Like, it's, there. I like the paneling. It's really chaotic. It has a sort of knackered feeling to it, um, (laughs) (laughs) to quote the Perlers. You know, yeah, the panels are just kind of small and angular and tilted everywhere. I don't know if that was in the scripting. Again, I would love to have access to some of these scripts. But I think it's a really cool way of conveying a lot of the chaos. And I think Cameron Stewart, for as much of a douche as he is, uh, did a pretty good job of seeming left of Frank Quitely art style. For sure. Yeah. Did I have a tentacle question? A Um, tentacle question? Because you're the guy I would go to about (laughs) that. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you about tentacles, boys. (laughs) Um, Let me tell you about the hole in all things and tentacles. (laughs) The tentacle that always finds the hole in all things. (laughs) Um, during, <laughs> during that fight, uh, 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 Lazarus Crazy Batman, clone Darkseid Batman, oh, yeah. um, he tries to hit Dick with the with the uh, the pick. In your guys's copy, because you, you guys both have the um, Absolute Edition, right? The Omnibus the edition. Yeah, I'm yeah. reading the Absolute Edition. I think Justin's yeah. in that Omnibus. In your in your copies, did they, did they correct that one panel where he's Awful Batman swings at Dick, but the word balloon, the tail, the word balloon is going to the wrong person because <laughs> he's because he's like, yeah, get him somebody, and that's supposed to be Dick saying that, but the word in my copy, the oh, you're totally yeah. right. That yeah, he's supposed go- to be Dick saying that, and then Squire yeah. jumps on him. Yeah, I read that this morning. I was like, wait, why is crazy, <laughs> crazy Batman all of a sudden speaking clearly? Like commanding orders. Yeah, <laughs> nice catch. I didn't get that yeah. at all. Um, but it's clearly in mine, like the wrong one. But right. yeah, I didn't catch that. I did. I mean, those keen salmon eyes of yours. Yeah. <laughs> There's a salmon under these waters. <laughs> um, but what I did notice is that 
you know, they do a good job of making the Bruce Batman and the Dick Batman look kind of different. Oh, yeah, the yeah. frown is real present in that Batman schnoz. Yeah. Yeah, and Dick's costume is, I mean, his his bat is skinnier, I think. It's it's different than, than evil clone Darkseid Apocalypse Batman. <laughs> you know what yeah. struck me this time, though, is that Knight, his character design looks a lot like that Justice League villain that Morrison wrote. Prometheus. Some, oh, Prome- Prometheus, yeah. yeah. It looks a Never lot like that. him. Yeah. Did Morrison create that guy? Mm-hmm. Yep. I have his first appearance. Wow. <laughs> so do I. Oh. I like that character a lot. Uh, obviously, I, I like Night Guards. I heard that you have his first appearance. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, why are 1997? Who did he why? create first? What? Oh no! I, well, no, he didn't create Night. I right. just remembered that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what are the what are the people the glowing people down in the mines? Are they glowing because they've spent so much time around the Lazarus pit? I don't remember. You know, that's a good observation. I legitimately thought that they were painted gold to look like ghosts because they're talking about ghosts before they run up and beat someone up in the previous issue. Okay. So I they were like, oh, I'm ghostly henchman. Ooh, I'm not actually digging for a Lazarus pit. I'm just a ghost. But maybe they are irradiated from the, the hot, sweet tang of the Lazarus pit down there. Maybe that's yeah. it. At first, I thought they were just like you, Justin. I thought they were just painted that way to to like in a scooby-doo episode to like scare <laughs> no. scare people out of the old mine yeah. it's very scooby-doo <laughs> um the little tasers on that dick grayson uses like his electric brass oh, his bat nucks yeah those are my like single-handedly favorite batman gadget i love them <laughs> so much and you i think you only see him here but you know it's a, like a very good way to non-lethally um add a little a little thunder to your punch and uh i like that you know because it, it like immobilizes but it would also fucking suck um but not in a way that like getting hit in the head with this like a club like nightly normally uses would suck you know um and i like how he's like okay well bruce is going to be this like mangled hunk of enraged meat i need to slap him around with these non-lethal uh nucks and i don't know i, I like that gadget a lot and yeah i like this fight a lot. i actually like these issues a lot yeah they're just sort of like they're fun, good action mystery issues, but not even like they, they feel like a tier above the fight issue from the previous arc, like the second sure. issue of the, the Jason Todd stuff, which was a largely a fight. But again, we talked about how you kind of lose your sense of where you are. The art wasn't great. Now that was a pig session. They're that was a dirty around. mud pig sesh for sure. Yeah. But this one, there is, it is, it's very fun. I think the, I think a, a fight issue to me has to be done in a kind of interesting way for me to like it. And I think the art does that well enough. Also, just remembering how much energy I had invested in the idea of like, is this Bruce? Are they going to put him in the Lazarus pit? Is he going to be crazy when he comes out? And not fully grasping exactly what had happened beneath Bloodhaven and Final Crisis made me not know, like, maybe even by the end of this issue, be like, is it Bruce? And is he just out of his mind? Like, what is going on? Yeah, which leads me to my question for both of you guys. Ooh. Would you do it? If you accidentally got your sidekick, uh, you know, child of your best friend who died, shot in the spine and had to give him back to his evil tyrant mother to fix his spine, and you were all nervous about, you know, following in the footsteps of this, like, omni guy that's your mentor, would you, in a moment of desperation, toss him into the Lazarus pit? 
I guess you kind of have to be in that situation to make that choice, but I want to say no, but I am a pretty weak person also. I was going to say, fuck yeah, I would. I'm a little bitch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would want my buddies back. And if there's any chance that it's not, um, if there's any chance that he could come back normal, then, you know, I I would probably take it. Yeah. 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 Me too. Cause I mean, they'd established in continuity way before this, this run that if you the Lazarus bleh, the Lazarus pit can bring somebody back and yeah they come out and they're and they're crazy I mean they're crazier longer than this I was surprised at this actually when Dick realizes it's like it's not him because he's still right he's trying to kill us because before this it all it it was like no it makes you insane for like up to 24 hours and you're also like almost supernaturally strong because of the adrenaline so at this point in the fight I was thinking this you don't know that dick it couldn't be him it's, it's just they make you nuts but yeah I, I would throw either one of you in a lazarus pit bring you back buddy and you know, <laughs> oh, thank the you. safety of that is that we three know that the way that you can overcome any risk of them <clears throat> being insane or anything is just put them in a blue turtleneck toss them in a blue oh. turtleneck and, <laughs> and then tickle put them. them in the lazarus pit and tickle <laughs> yeah. them as they are you know as they're brought out tickle them in the blue turtleneck and they should be fine like it should just be 100 percent guaranteed back to normal type of thing now I'll let you out when you quit pounding on the walls with your head. <laughs> There's w- one last point I really wanted to make, and I started a, a bunch. I set up a bunch of other bullshit that I wish I didn't say, so I'd have time for this. But my favorite part of this issue, and I think something that Grant Morrison just like sneaks in is a really awesome observation about Batman's character, is when right after night clocks crazed regenerated Batman over the head. Dick Grayson goes, no matter how crazy he got. Batman never fights to kill. It's not him. And he knows that it's not him. And then I thought, like, Dick Grayson just saw Batman break to his, like, his furthest potential of losing his mind. Batman of Zerenra is buck wild, crazy bullshit. And he's talking to Batmite, you know, and he's talking to gargoyles and his grids. And no matter how crazy he got, he didn't break that one moral rule. And, like, Bruce Wayne, his greatest strength, like, he is that rule. He is nothing else. At the core, like, of who he is, you can put him in a Tibetan cave where he speaks to ghosts and, like, poisons monks that are trying to poison him within his own mind. No matter, like, how crazy he gets, he won't break that rule, you know? And you can bury him alive and stuff and give him brain damage, and he'll still not break that one rule. And that's, like, how Dick knows. And I think that's a really good observation of, like, yeah, we like to hate as like modern readers of Batman, his morality is pretty dualistic and sometimes it can even be considered shitty. Like, Oh, you're going to let Joker kill more people. Cause you're too, you know, too good to kill him, you know? And I think that sometimes that's a simplistic way of looking at it. But the fact that Bruce like at his core is really this like funky kind of pacifist, but this like won't kill somebody like that's the difference between him and an actual bad person. I think that that's a really good way of kind of, packaging that morality as a higher stance instead of just like a childhood simplistic response to I totally the complexities of the world totally agree and like Roman's point about the Lazarus pit making you insane like I don't know as much about Lazarus pits but that's how I was pretty easily able to say like oh Dick knows that because on some level Bruce doesn't have the you know the motivation to kill like he doesn't even know how to swing to punch somebody to kill them because he never would. And this guy is, but also I could see the argument for, but a Lazarus pit totally rewires your brain for whatever period of time. But I, I also really liked that observation. Yeah. And I like that too, Justin, because 
I think more than any other superhero, except for maybe Superman, Batman, his moral, he would never kill because the thing that created him was murder. And so he would never murder. It's just like, it's his one superpower. Yeah. It's and like his moral compass. What I was going to say was that I, I like that Morrison draws that distinction because, you know, the Frank Miller Batmans and the Dark Knight Returns are like, yeah, Batman, you know, thinks that he's right. So he's kind of one step away from totalitarianism. Like if he wants, you know, if, no, I've got the right way. But, but I like that he does have this faith in justice and he has faith in the legal system and he has faith like I'm not going to murder and I'm going to, you know, allow justice to exist. And I can see how a Frank Miller could say, yeah, but one step beyond that is this. Again, you have to make the leap of saying one step beyond it is this. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with Batman who doesn't go a step beyond that. So I like, I like, you know, the way that you express that, which is, yeah, Batman doesn't murder. He does, like, he's not gonna, he's not gonna kill. And it makes sense that Dick would be able to even just feel that in his punches. And right. I, I think that the biggest reason and again it's a couple pages later but the best way that you could know that it's not the real bruce wayne is the face that he makes when he's flying on that batcopter he is Mm -hmm. so angry there's no joy in that batcopter (laughs) you know that batman still gets a seven-year-old's joy when he rides that batcopter like good thing i made this thing this weird cold (laughs) always outside but still hovering around hunched over (laughs) yeah that doesn't even have a windshield yeah, I love that clone Batman's look on there because he's just not like... <laughs> it's just like into a the primordial snow. scream. I love to fly. <laughs> I do love the last... I'm going to fuck that little kid up when I get home. <laughs> the last action in the fight before the mind collapse, um, Batwoman tasing clone Batman in the, in the face. <laughs> that cracked that. me up. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's in his jaws. Yeah, it's in his jaw and his cheek. <laughs> uh, Batwoman. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? No, I was just saying she don't give a fuck. No. Like, uh, Dick Bats and Batwoman make a, a plan. We don't fully understand it, but she's like, I have a plan. It looks like she's going to die. The religion of crime knows that they need to sacrifice a bat in all of this. So um, when Knight and Squire bust through the cave portion that has caved in where Dick Bats and Batwoman were, Dick Bat says Batwoman is dead. We have reason to not believe that. I also like Batwoman with short hair. Like she's like, take this wig off me. And then she's got the same color hair drawn here, but it's just like shorter. But I'm like, you oh, just look yeah. like a total badass with short hair. You should just like rock that shit. But uh, yeah, it's what we find in these final couple pages. Because again, <clears throat> at least 10 pages of this are just a fight scene with mostly no dialogue. But we get you know bad boy batman took the copter back to an airplane and now he's flying home i'm not sure how this batman has like this much motivation in it i guess he's implanted with the memories of batman and the grief so he does have some desire to get home or at least understanding of location so it's not like your typical zombie thing but he gets home and damien has arrived back home at this point and he's just hanging out on the computer and he knows what's going on. He's like, oh, no, Pennyworth, you know, Dick's taking my dad to get him resurrected. And then I, I heard Justin's voice in my head in the panel where we see Alfred's body get thrown by a door, through a door. And I was just like, you don't do that to Alfred. And then uh, Damien sees the zombie guy show up. Yeah, you know, this whole couple issues made me realize, especially this issue, I was like, 
so it's pretty amazing that Talia is that old ghoul. They have the resources and stuff. They're able to replace Damien's spine. But why didn't they just throw him in a Lazarus pit? Wouldn't that have been a lot quicker and cheaper? <laughs> I think that the Lazarus pits have, and this is my bullshit justification, but around this time and even before that, they were sh- like in under the Red Hood, they had shut down and like dried out all the Lazarus pits. So there weren't any oh. available. So Batman was going around looking at old Lazarus pits that had right. been like closed off, almost like they're not allowed anymore. Almost like there was like a sanction on them or something. And that's why they're in this mucking around in this English one is because they, it wasn't a Lazarus pit, even though that's what it is. Like it's they like tied to Arthurian legend, fountain right. of youth stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was even so, like they went to great lengths to track down the Lazarus pit in Resurrection of Razal Ghoul that was ex- right. that it did exist, and I think that that one got shut down as well. But yeah, I, I think it was that Under the Hood book, Justin, where yeah, he's like they're going out and shutting them down. Um, yeah, well, Bruce is like going and looking at ones that have known like all the known ones, and they've been closed down. I don't know what like if the Justice League did that or Batman has just like defeated Ra's al Ghul and shuts him down each time so there's none left. But you know, the one in the resurrection like isn't in the catalog of like people don't know it's there. It's the super secret one. And this one <laughs> apparently is the super secret one. Yeah. I want a comic book where you just a random Ra's al Ghul ninja is in charge of like going and shutting him down and seeing if they work. He's like a you know, like a uh, plumber for the tubes of life and death you know he's going around there like gotta make wow. sure lazarus Prith is actually shut down i like that and he has to go shut him down and he does that thing where he goes good night lazarus pit good yeah. night dinosaur <laughs> and, yeah. and whatever happened to the cape crusader good night uh <laughs> lazarus pits but yeah you know this issue connected i'm excited to be back in two days and wrap up this arc with everybody so we could totally get into an email um unless anybody has anything else on this issue to cover besides a thumbs up i like these issues a lot yeah i initially thought they were just kind of like goofy wobbly wookie nonsense but i think that it is that as well as like there's some they're doing some good plot and they're you know they're telling us about the religion of crime and you know reminding us that uh the devil is still behind all things so i think it, it's pretty function functional too god that damn city of crime song as soon as you said religion of crime it popped in my head and it was tom hanks tom hanks and dan Aykroyd rap the song oh even better <laughs> now yep. that's a reference i need to know 1987 dragnet okay so i've got uh an email from my friend chris murphy uh regarding episode 25 batman number hey, 682 hey chris um Hi, chris and this is from the last rights issues. And he just got a really good thought um, to throw in here. Good Dear Bat Gents, thanks for another fun episode and for your breakdowns and reflections on Batman 682 Last oh, Rights yeah. Part 1. There's one bit that I'd like to add to the discussion by way of the 1970s. In Batman 265 from June of 1974, there's a two-page story. Roman, do you remember this? If Bruce Wayne Had Not Become the Batman by Martin Pascoe and Pat Broderick. Over 15 panels, we read five possible variations on the hero Bruce would have become had he seen something other than, than a bat. The scorpion, the stingray, the owl, the shooting star, <laughs> the iron knight. I've included scans from my issue. I've got pictures of them that he put from his <laughs> Hell yeah, that's awesome. So awesome. <laughs> cool. Uh, this is, of course, very similar to page five and six of 682 with Lump Alfred. Lumpfred? 
Chris, <laughs> Hell I yeah. like where your head's at, buddy. I like a portmanteau, and you've <laughs> won our hearts over. Um, with Lumpfrid distracting Bruce like with some... Yeah, me too. <laughs> just said, that was a lump day. We might be able to pass this off as two writers having a similar idea, except we know that Grant read the Pasco Broderick two-pager. We know this because oh, yeah. Shooting Star, the hero resulting from Bruce seeing a shooting star, was retconned by Morrison to be the Batman analog in the post-multiversity Earth-47 love syndicate of dream world which he posted <laughs> a picture of from the multiversity handbook if you remember that no yeah, yeah. That. um and it's so the earth earth 47 i've included a scan from the multiversity guidebook by morrison and scott hepburn showing the, the bright night so i reckon we can chalk up lumfrid's what ifs to another inspiration grant from the hairy chested globetrotting 70s batman awesomeness thanks for your ongoing work chris chris <laughs> thank you that was awesome Damn, thank you for the scans as well work I yeah, love that it. is cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I don't know if we've mentioned it on here, but a, another uh, another listener donated a copy of Batman the Black Casebook to us because those are pretty hard uh-huh. to find at this point. So the older issues of those that are referenced in it, which I've never had the chance to read or get a hold of um, or track down. Again, you know, my Batman reading is really from like probably like 500 up or something. I haven't, you know, those first 500 or so are, I, I'm, I'm not exposed to. So I love... I love getting that insight, and I love uh, not having, having to go through all the detective work myself. These scans are pretty awesome. Hey, listen, have you guys yeah, ever heard awesome. of um, a guy named Andrew Carlson? Oh, yeah. Such a good yeah. friend of the show. Friend of the show. Listen, he's just, uh, he's just gotten into Batman and Robin, um, and he's on issue two. Late on this one, elections got me working hard. Fantastic issue, though. He works going through election ballots. The synchronicity of the capes in page four really shows them work as a pair when they both punch each other. Uh, the crazy fat person is insane, and I love Quietly for the way he draws them. Holy shit. The three <laughs> dudes was the first weird action scene, but I realized that they were doing after a few reads of the page. Double page spread was rad, but again, a little bit hard for me to follow all the action. More like, hey, that's a cool image. Wow, another one. Best part of his, the issue in his mind was the Alfred monologue, though, about Dick needing to make it less of a more memorial and more of a performance. Don't be Bruce, be you. Embrace the differences, and Dick doesn't even respond to it. Just starts performing like a fucking natural. Amazing. Pig is creepy and terrifying, and everything I want out of a villain. The Dolatrons with Quietly art are so damn freaky. And lastly, I'm loving the next issue previews little panels at the end. We are to Andrew, and we're going to get a final one in here from your friend and my friend, Will Elmer, who guested on the show. He said, gentlemen, during your discussion on Batman and Robin number three, he was on number two. Number three was when Justin then came back. You discussed the idea that Professor Pig being Damien's Joker. I love this idea, and I just wanted to draw your attention back to Batman 666, in which we begin the issue with Damien as Batman in the future, fighting a Dolatron before we discover an upside-down, crucified Professor Pig. At the time, it seemed like an inconsequential throwaway villain death, but in hindsight, it's some incredible foreshadowing tying him even closer to Damien. What are your thoughts on the significance of his appearance and death in Batman 666? Have a blast. I'm having a blast reading along with the podcast. Keep up the great work. I don't think... I remembered that that was Professor Pig that is being crucified upside down there. But now that you, you mention it. it, I do. Yeah, oh. I do remember the mentioning name of it. And, and yeah, you know, I think we had the discussion about him being like a, the, the you know, an adversary or a jerk villain after that would have happened. And I had forgotten that he was, you know, dead there. But I think it is a really good point that like, you know, Damien does kill, but 
yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think that is really cool of that issue in the future started off with an upside down crucifixion of sort of his mortal enemy, especially seeing the Dolatrons bef- like, you know, 12 issues before we end up seeing the Dolatrons actually in Batman and Robin. I mean, his first appearance is in that issue and not in this one or not yeah. in Batman and Robin. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's true. Those collectors out there, those speculators are probably now scooping up 666 for that. Um, um, yeah, a, a, like a weird bullshit thing that I. I think that we see Dr. Hurt kind of in his Batman and Bat Demons and his whole devil shtick that he's got going on, kind of trying to usurp the Joker and Batman R.I.P. Mm-hmm. And those same homies in Batman 666 are like usurping um, Professor Pig. You know, he's like, oh, this isn't your villain. It's us now and we're back. You know, the you know, devil Batman is the one I think that crucifies him, right? Or is it Damien? Either way, I can make a case for yeah, how yeah. that's kind of symbolic of Damien and his relationship. If it is devil Batman, he's doing what Dr. Hurt kind of, kind of did to the Joker by disrespecting him and saying, like, you're not the only game in town. I'm the big bad. You know, I'm literally the devil. And if it's Damien, then, yeah, he, like, crucified him as, like, doing his whole Dark Knight thing. And then, you know, the devil comes back. So I uh, I think that there is, and probably some levels that someone else can point out that we we don't know, but like a deeper enmeshing of those two characters. I love it. And one of, one of the things I am super happy about is just that when we started doing this and, 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 and talking about this, one of the things I wanted was just that everyone's in quarantine right now. And one of my favorite things in the world, especially even like before working at a comic shop was going in and hanging out at a comic shop, talking about the issues that I read that I was so excited about. So I like that there are just people writing in, sharing their feelings about these issues and hopefully using this podcast as a way to sort of feel like you're in a comic shop at a time where it's harder to be in a comic shop. So thank you all for the emails and for sort of validating that uh, mission statement of this podcast. And we just get to be the real, real lucky ones that actually sit here and flirt with one another and talk about it. For sure. This podcast is like doing, giving me what I got kicked out of comic book stores for doing, which is like, <laughs> do you just want to talk about the one Batman Grant Morrison run? Just the one comic. <laughs> That's all I'm here for. And uh, like, oh God, this and, guy. And, okay, you boys. Well, listen, I think we should get out of here. I think we should then see everybody two days later for Friday, the final day of the week. We'll wrap up this Blackest Night arc. Then we're going to get into some, some very saucy stuff. The next... The next arc, it starts ramping up to then oh, yeah. feeling a lot more connected to the previous run. But uh, you know, we got a good we get a good twelve issues of Dick Bats before it, it really gets in there. But um, yeah, uh, I guess thanks everybody for listening, Roman and Justin. Thanks for being here always. Oh yeah, this is episode number thirty three. I think is what we said. And yeah, what did um, you say at the beginning? Thirty three. Maybe 34. I don't know. I can't. Numbers don't stay in my head very well. We'll we'll be sure to have it for the next episode, what number that is. Yes, we surely, surely will. Well, on behalf of Justin and Roman, I am Jeff, and we're Batman in Quarantine, and we'll see you all in a very short amount of time.